Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. This episode is brought to you by my course, Rest Assured. If you've been struggling with falling asleep, or staying asleep, or just not waking up feeling well-rested, you've come to the right place. Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Insomnia, or CBTI, is the gold standard intervention in the management of insomnia. Rest Assured is a digital course that walks you through CBTI, step-by-step, with everything you need to succeed. Each of the six weekly modules guides you through some important background information for the different techniques, explores the evidence-based techniques in detail, provides multiple examples of exercises so you can find the one that works for you, and reviews the work you've completed since the last module. And rest assured, it's just not another DIY left to your own devices, but rather, you get direct access to me, a board-certified sleep physician in twice-monthly office hours, where you can ask me face-to-face any questions you may have about the course material. So check out www.wellrestedmd.com slash RA to learn more. That's wellrestedmd.com slash RA. Or just head to the homepage and click on courses to learn more. Enjoy the episode. Hey, friends and neighbors. You're listening to the Well Rested Podcast, episode number 11. Time to rise, time to bed. I'm your host, Dr. Joshua Lennon. Do you ever feel like you live in a cave? Can you imagine life without the sun? What about without your phone or watch? What would happen to your sense of time? In today's episode, I'll be exploring this notion of your body's sense of time, your internal clock, known as the circadian rhythm, and what it can tell us about the best way to feel rested. When I was in third grade, we ran a little experiment on some plants. It was modeled after the first known experiment performed by Jean-Jacques Dutrois de Marianne in 1729. What happens to plants when isolated from sunlight? You probably learned in grade school or even earlier that plants need air, sunlight, and nutrients from soil to live. So what happens when you remove part of that equation? What this 18th century Frenchman observed, which countless had before him, is that many flowering plants may open up their petals in the morning like a welcome mat for pollinators and close the petals at sunset. This makes for some pretty nifty time-lapse videos on nature documentaries. So what this guy wanted to find out, was the plant's behavior a response to sunlight? Like what would happen on cloudy days, or when shaded from trees or other structures? What exactly is driving this action? So he took a bunch of plants and kept them in a dark room to see what would happen. What would happen to the opening and closing ceremonies of the flowers without sunlight? Was the sun itself the alarm clock that initiated the flowers' changes? Lo and behold, The flowers continued their usual song and dance of opening petals in the morning, even in the absence of sunlight, and closing the petals in the evenings, in the absence of the light decrease from sunset. There was something else controlling the timing of the flower. Something internal. Something self-generated. In 1938, one of the pioneers of sleep science, Nathaniel Kleitman, led a month-long journey to do the same thing. This time not with flowering plants, but with a couple of adult human beings. Two guys spent 32 days hanging out in Mammoth Cave in Kentucky, packed with enough non-perishable food and reading material to keep them alive and occupied for the duration. And generally speaking, they saw the same thing, that there is an internally generated schedule, a self-ticking clock inside mankind as well as plantkind, that organizes behavior, such as when to rest, or close your flower petals, and when to be active, or open those flower petals. And this internal clock keeps ticking even without the cue of the day-to-night light changes exemplified by the movements of the sun. 
Numerous experiments since have continued to demonstrate that essentially all living creatures, from the microscopic to plants to animals to those exploring outer space, all have a rhythm of rest and activity, of sleep or something like it, alternating with wakeful activity on a schedule that is self-generated, a circadian rhythm. Now, it's called a circadian rhythm, dia meaning day and circa meaning about, because it's not a precisely day rhythm, it's merely about a day in length. In fact, while there is a normal range among humans, the average circadian cycle is not exactly 24 hours. It's closer to 24 hours in change, somewhere around 12 to 15 minutes longer on average, with some having cycle lengths closer to 25 hours and some 23 in change. That means for most of us, our internal clock is essentially pre-programmed to stay up just a little bit later. If you normally go to bed, let's say at 10 p.m., for example, and you spent the whole day in a cave, you're likely to be ready for bed closer to 10.15 on that first night, and 10.30 on the second. And if left without any corrections, you might even flip your whole schedule around 180 degrees, 12 hours, after about seven weeks, assuming a shift a difference about 15 minutes from your baseline each day. For some, this complete flip-flop switch of days and nights can occur in only two weeks. It's not your fault that you stay up late. You are programmed to want to stay up past your bedtime because your internal clock is just running on a slightly different schedule than the Earth's clock. So what happened to my third grade experiment? Well, plants that were left to grow in the windowsill did okay before dying of an eight-year-old's negligence. And plants growing in the dark box lined with construction paper opened and closed their flowers as expected, but died very quickly with zero sunlight. Plus the negligence. And it just wasn't me, the plants grown by the whole class faced the same fate. Needless to say, I never did cultivate a green thumb. Getting back to our clocks, since our programming is pretty accurate, but not exactly precise, we do need little nudges across the day to keep our internal clocks lined up correctly. These little corrections, resets, rewinding of the watch, are called Zeitgebers, literally time givers in German. These are the small pushes and pulls that move our internal clock in one direction or another, or help it keep time. There are a lot of different Zeitgebers, and while some are stronger than others, they all follow their own cycle of waxing and waning potency, both in the strength of shifting your internal clock and the direction in which they could shift your internal clock. So you may recall from episodes 4 and 5 that the strongest of these Zeitgebers, the thing most likely to have an effect on your internal clock, is light. Light itself, different colors, or spectra of visible light, and especially the timing of the light exposure, will all have a dramatic effect on your circadian rhythm. So when you hear me say that it's important to manage your light exposure, both before bed and right after waking, it's because light significantly affects your internal clock, jostling for control, shifting it in one direction or another, giving it that reprogramming. Your internal clock is like a confused 13-year-old starting at a new school, Yeah, it's got its own identity, but spend too much time around the goths and it'll come home with black nail polish, or too much time around the mathletes and it wants you to buy a limited edition box set of Deep Blue versus Kasparov featuring move-by-move commentary. What I'm saying is that your circadian rhythm is easily swayed, and that can be a good thing, or it could be disastrous for your sleep. We are left with the task of advancing or shortening the internal clock by a little bit every day so we don't get off that cycle get into complete desynchrony from our external world and obligations. It's harder to get up earlier than it is to get up later. 
It's like stepping into a river and being asked to swim 10 meters in either direction. It's way harder to swim against the current the same distance than just riding the waves downstream. But the simplest, easiest way to stay synchronized is slightly swing our internal clocks back into normal Earth time so that we can catch the bus on the same time, make it to that 9 a.m. meeting, or catch that flight, or pick up the kids from soccer practice on time. The simplest and easiest way is to anchor your circadian rhythm with early morning light. I mentioned a few minutes ago that these zeitgeibers, these clock influencers, vary in their potency to change your clock as you move across the day. And light is no exception. Our susceptibility to light and its clock-shifting ability is stronger around our sleep time, both shortly before and shortly after than at other points throughout the day. Meaning that bright light 30 minutes after you wake has a stronger influence on adjusting your internal clock than if the same exact light was given four hours after you wake up. And the reverse is also true. Bright light, such as from a TV or a handheld screen, has a much more powerful effect on delaying your clock, keeping you awake longer and impacting your sleep when it is given within 30 minutes of your habitual bedtime than if the exact same light exposure was provided four hours before your habitual bedtime. In other words, the closer to sleep, the stronger the effect of light, with pre-bed light delaying your ability to fall asleep, i.e. insomnia, and post-sleep light advancing your clock, which is precisely what we need to keep it aligned with the Earth. That correction of maybe 15 minutes each day. If you've struggled with sleep or feeling rested, you know all too well that you cannot force yourself to sleep, no matter how hard you try. It is simply not under volitional control. And if you are asleep and unconscious, you can't exactly will yourself to wake up at a particular time. Waking yourself from a bad dream is another matter entirely. But we do have these extra biological devices called alarm clocks that can wake us up at a predetermined time, and they don't work in the other direction, meaning there's no alarm that forces you to fall asleep. So we can control our awake time with the aid of these devices. When we wake up, we can start that exposure to light. We can now control this potent zeitgeber to realign and maintain our internal clocks. And that is precisely why we see such a great benefit of light therapy as discussed in more detail in episode 5. Because you solidify and reinforce the circadian rhythm when you get light exposure shortly after your intended wake time. Light exposure too close to your intended nightly sleep time confuses and desynchronizes your internal clock from your intended schedule or next day obligations, which dramatically negatively impacts your sleep, your ability to wake, and your performance the next day. You control your wake time. On the later end, using alarms, and premature awakening we can discuss at another point. You can control your light exposure when you wake. Thus, you control the maintenance, realigning, reinforcement of your circadian rhythm. The longer you've been awake, the more tired you will become. Your internal clock is anticipating downtime for rest. And prolonged consecutive wake time increases your body's need for sleep. But this is not as precise. You can anticipate a bedtime a time that when wake up and morning light is held constant, that you can expect on average to feel ready for sleep. Sleep timing is secondary to your awake timing. You can only indirectly control your sleep timing, based on when you wake consistently and how long you've been consecutively awake for. For example, if you always wake up no later than 6am and get good early light exposure, then most nights you can probably expect to be ready for sleep no later than 11pm and possibly as early as 9pm. So if you expect your sleep readiness to appear suddenly as early as 9pm, you can tailor your evening activity 
especially your light exposure, so that the closer you get to 9pm, the dimmer and dimmer the lights get, and the more prepared you are for quality sleep, whether or not you actually feel ready for sleep. If you wait to turn down the lights until you are basically ready to pass out at night, it's too late. The light has already done its damage. But if you maintain that constant wake time, consistent early morning light exposure, you'll find yourself with a pretty predictable bedtime. No matter what time you end up feeling actually ready to fall asleep, you are already prepared to get the best night of sleep possible, whether you're ready at 9pm or at midnight. Your internal clock is programmed. And chances are, its programming is not precisely the 24 hours, 0 minutes, and 0 seconds that our standardized clocks are set to. So that pesky internal clock is malleable enough to make little adjustments to keep you on time. Or horribly problematic adjustments that get you way out of alignment from your life demands. So, find that wake-up time that makes the most sense for you. What is the earliest obligation you have during most weeks? That's work days and days off. And what time would you need to be awake by in order to meet that obligation, such as work, school, or religious service? Use that wake-up time every single day. Even if that earliest of obligations is only one day a week, and maybe you could get away with sleeping in another 40 minutes on the other days, pick that earliest needed time to wake and stick with it. Expose yourself to lots of bright light within 30 minutes after you wake, whether that's the sunrise or an artificial light box beaming out 5,000 to 10,000 lux of light. If you stay awake all day long consistently when getting up and getting bright light every morning consistently, you'll see that your sleep time finds itself. It will naturally land where you need it. And anticipating that average sleep time, be mindful of your light exposure in that last hour or two leading up to the anticipated sleep time so that it doesn't get pushed off too far from course. I've created a wonderful freebie for you, so please head over to wellrestedmd.com day to get a free cheat sheet to a day in the life of the well-rested, including examples of how to incorporate specific best practices to get that good snooze. That's www.wellrestedmd.com slash day. Be sure to hit subscribe in your favorite podcast player to get all the latest episodes, leave us a review, and head on over to wellrestedmd.com for more information. Thanks for listening.